Welcome back to Control Alt Delete. I hope you enjoyed the episode where I was the guest um, on my own podcast about the multi hyphen method. And seeing as I'm with Abby Bergstrom, my incredible friend and literary agent, I wanted to ask her a few questions about the multi hyphen method and some of the topics that I talk about in the book. So, welcome back. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for letting me hog you on the podcast. So question number one, because this is something that I talk about in the multi-hyphen method, is mm. this new definition of success and what success means. Yeah. And I remember when you were helping me with edits on the proposal in the book, I think what's interesting working with you is I got to talk to you a bit about your thoughts. Yeah. Um, and I really wanted to know. But remind me, what does success mean to you for the listeners of the podcast um I think success for me is ah oh, I'm very much driven by the recognition of my friends and family I think they're the people that I work hard for and want to make proud it's like having my best friend be like wow that's amazing I'm so proud of you kind of makes it all worthwhile mm. um I've never really been driven by money um hence why I went into book publishing <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think having my friends and family recognise it, but I also think success for me is about waking up every day and going into the office and feeling excited and fulfilled by what I'm doing. I think that is hugely important to me. Mm. On the money thing, because I think this is a really interesting one mm. where most people who I think aren't money orientated must have lots of money, but you're an anomaly because you, it, it's not like you don't have to work for money. No. But you don't, but you still, there's like a, you don't think that's a defining factor of what you do. And it, I find that really interesting because I'm, I'm similar. Yeah, I think, um, look, you know, money's important. You've got to pay the bills. And there, there is that reality. And I think there's always a balance to be made in your work between uh, doing things that are commercial and that are going to be able to do that. And then also doing something that you love. I wonder whether at some point you have to choose between those. I've always felt that you should do what it is that you love and don't chase the money because if you find something that you love you'll be good at it you'll be really good at it and if you're really good at something you'll always get paid well to do it mm. and that's my theory and yeah so far yeah. so good yeah that's my theory it's taken me a while to see financially it paying off but yeah. it, it really does yeah it can take longer yeah it just I think with creative jobs it often takes longer like a lot of my friends came out of university and went into jobs where they were on great starting salaries and you know I was living in a cockroach infested flat in Shoreditch and you know had living off dumplings and noodles but now I'm successful and I'm I'm able to you know live a nice lifestyle but it took a while to get there and that was it wasn't money that I was chasing it was a passion for books and Mm. writing because chasing the money from day one means you could be a bit cornered into something that you don't really like you can get lost I think and wake up one day and you're working in an area of an industry that you never set out to or you find yourself sitting in the department that you didn't really want to be yeah this is why I think the multi-hyphen method is actually for people that work in the city and do those sorts of jobs as well because I'm like everyone can have some sort of creative outlet totally yeah So in chapter two, I talk a lot about motivations behind our work and I kind of talk a lot about generational divides, but actually how we're we're all more similar than we think. But it is interesting seeing what motivates different generations. But I think millennials are being slightly boxed in 
Um, and it's like that we've got totally different motivations for working and maybe that's true in the case of flexible working and we like spending our money on traveling and experiences but what motivates you when it comes to your career and and I guess we've just touched on it a bit but there must be something that kind of does motivate you day in and day out yeah um oh what motivates me this is a good one I don't know I guess I, you know, when you're representing other people and their literary activities, to an extent, like, you're responsible for their careers and you've got their careers in your hands or an element of it, at least. And that's, like, a massive responsibility. I think the weight of that responsibility and the admiration and respect I have for the authors that I work with is a real motivation because I need to feel like I've done, like, my best and Mm. tried 100%. I also think what motivates me is that people I like I love the company that I work for Gleam and I love going in there every day and see it like working with all the all the managers and all the people that work there I think that's hugely important to me um the environment in which I'm working I don't think I would do very well working um from home or working on my own like that's I thrive in that kind of social mm. element of my job as well and you know, respect from my peers in the industry as well. I guess that's that's important. Nothing feels better than having, you know, somebody who works in your industry and understands the intricate details to turn around and be like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. Well done. Yeah. So that's a motivator too. Because I think when you yeah. hear about demotiva- demotivation, yeah. it's normally like a bad boss or yeah. someone dragging you down or a toxic friend. Yes. Who you're surrounded with is so important. Totally. I'm words of affirmation. Like, that's what motivates me. That's what I need. And I'm quite good at communicating that with my boss. Like, I, mm. you know, I'll sort of say, like, you know, remember when you were at school and you used to get those gold stars that yes. were under sellotape? I remember having this conversation with my boss and I was like, I was the kid that would have, like, four stars. Like, I, I needed the stars. Because <laughs> I needed to go home and be like, Mom, look how many stars I've got. And I was like, I just need, like, I need the stars from you. Verbal gold stars. Like, just a tap yeah. on the head here and there. Which, you know... I think there's something you can give to yourself and I think the, the more senior you get in your work and your role, you have to learn to be able to give those gold stars to yourself. But I'm definitely words of affirmation. Mm. Yeah, and also such a reminder to tell people if they're doing a good job. Yeah. Because it is motivating. I definitely want people to say well done where it's deserved and then you want to do more of it. Yeah, when you're managing people, it's hugely important. So my next question, based on chapter three, which is about the rise of multi-hyphenates, I know that, I guess, you obviously have kind of one central job, but do you have any side hustles? And yeah. they And they can't, they don't have to be even work-related, really. Yeah, um, I've always, I've always dabbled with the side hustle. Um, I did a, um, I've done, like, various, like, activist campaigns with my friends on the side. We did one called uh, This Doesn't Mean Yes a couple of years ago. Um, oh, that was amazing. So that was about campaigning against... Yeah. Um well rape culture yeah Yeah. absolutely absolutely it was a kind of anti-rape campaign you know like getting a cab home with you doesn't mean yes wearing red lipstick doesn't mean yes wearing a short skirt doesn't mean yes and the right for any person to uh behave act dress however they want however they feel and that's never an invitation or a justification for any kind of um violence or yeah sexual assault 
Um, so we set up a camera um, in Shoreditch and we stopped women and photographed them. Um, we got an amazing photographer, Peru, who did it for free and just shooting women, just embracing themselves and, you know, with the, with the line, like, this doesn't mean yes. And it was, yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. It was really, it was really good and it, it got loads of coverage amazing. and it was a fun thing to be involved in. And now I do um, writing on the bit, on, on the side. I, I, I've written for Refinery and I, I write a lot for Elle magazine, which I really love. Um, but yeah, I've, I do kind of writing for myself personally. I think for me, because my job's quite creative, I need to have another creative outlet for myself. And I feel that the one informs the other. And when I feel dried up in my work creatively, my day job, that's when I look to go and do a side hustle or do something else on the side because it like sets me alight again and it feeds in. And so one is always helping the other. And that, that's such a important case for employers letting their staff go and sort of have some thinking space and not to be scared off if someone has side projects. Like it's not like you're doing it where you're at work. It's, it's things that you do outside of work, but actually your company are lucky to have you because you have all of these side hustles yeah they're not a negative totally I completely agree I think that my side projects have always helped and enriched my nine-to-five job so to speak Mm. um so yeah I completely agree with that yeah so on um one of the negatives of our working culture at the moment as it stands especially with endless communication and technology and apps and our phones and I feel like we're on the verge of like breakdown like in society um which is why it's good to talk about it but have you ever had burnout and what advice do you have if you have had it and got back on the horse yeah I've I've definitely had burnout in fact I remember us meeting for breakfast I think it was like last summer Mm. now about, about that and I was sat dribbling over my eggs I think in a complete flux and state of disbelief and Yeah, I I definitely have experienced burnout. I think that is because I love my job so much that I sometimes forget that it's work and and it's this, you know, you keep going and you keep going and you keep going. And yeah, I think I used to live a lifestyle of, you know, get up, work out, go work like a 10 hour day, then go meet friends for drinks, then go to a late night dinner thing, then come home and you can't do it all. Um, Which a lot of... um, parents would say burning the candle at both ends burning the candle at both ends exactly <laughs> it's exactly what my mother says burning the candle at both ends and it's true I mean you know, I was I was really guilty of that because I didn't want to let my friends down but I also wanted to progress in my career but I also wanted to you know try and take care of my um health and well-being and someone's got to give mm. so yeah I think I it was a it was a real kind of part of my growth to realize that and to sort of spend more time on my own and make time for myself to kind of not constantly be in a position where I needed to deliver something or I needed to not you know show up and and be on top form um so yeah I think I know the signs now and the signs really are when I start to disconnect and disengage emotionally with my work because I am very emotional about my work um when that starts to happen that's the red flag for me that whoa 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 you need yeah. you need a break and I might just go back to Wales or you know stay with my folks for a few days or I might you know I've been went on a yoga retreat I've been lucky yeah. and kind of you know gone and done things like that as well so yeah I think it's just knowing th- those are the signs for me disconnecting and 
um, I just step back. Mm-hmm. I think step back. And when you return, you've got a completely new, fresh perspective. And I'm, I'm okay with shutting down. I'm not that important. I'm not mm-hmm. a surgeon. I'm not saving lives. It's just books. I'm not that important. And the world can survive without me for a week, not being on email. And I think anyone who... Um, doesn't feel that way, you know, probably has an overinflated um, idea of themselves because, you know, we're, yeah, we're all replaceable in a lot of ways and people can cope, people can cope without you, at least temporarily. So true. I used to tell myself that and be like, you're not Obama. Yeah. Like, yeah, switch off. Literally. But also that's such a good reminder to check up on your friends because sometimes it's a glazed overlook. It's not obvious. It's not an obvious thing, burnout. Totally. It's not like someone's crying on you it's like if you kind of it's like a very slight subtle thing I think it really is and like you I wouldn't have known really last year when that you were going through that but at the same time actually now that you're back on form like you can tell when someone's having a bit of a like Mm -hmm. it's just a glaze isn't it and it's because I have it yeah it's just a little bit you care less a little bit yeah you're like once removed yeah totally Um, yeah but um no you are so good at switching off you make me um better at it um so just lastly at the end of my book, um, that's out now, by the way, called The Multi-Hyphen Method. Whoop, whoop. Um, but at the end, I it's called The End, and then in brackets, sort of, because yeah. I felt like it was very um, assumptive, arrogant, I don't know what the word is, uh, for me to know what, what is in the future. Yeah. Like, this is a book about the now, and it's about looking ahead, but I don't have a big singing col- conclusion on this. But I did want to ask you, Obviously, you work in an industry that's very on the pulse. Do you have any sort of predictions about where everything's going in terms of um, the digital world? Or do you think it's just one big question mark? I think um, I think that... Um, and you and I actually were having this conversation the other day. I think we're living in a kind of individ- individualistic culture. And, um, you know, what we've talked about today around kind of personal branding and... You know, I think it was you who co- you coined the phrase, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. Um, and I just think that is becoming ever increasingly important in the world of work. I think when you look at books and trends and what's happening there, like a lot of, um, you know, things around astrology or tarot cards, there's a lot of the moment around modern day spirituality and mm. that sort of thing. I think people are looking inwards because of a state of kind of political and economic turmoil that is quite terrifying or you know a working you know how quickly the world of work is changing as we've also discussed that creates fear and I think that leads to um looking inwards and kind of building a better connection with ourselves and Mm. and I think good things will come from that you know And, and and even behind podcast two people sat having a chat and being a fly on the wall there really is something in getting closer to what's real rather than the kind of mainstream media or um figureheads people are wanting to talk to and communicate with their peers and learn from their peers um and yeah I don't know Mm. I think that's I think that's a really good thing it's kind of like digital socialism it, it I feel excited and positive about that. It is so crazy to think that so much has happened in a short space of time. Like when you used to have to write into a magazine and your letter might be published and people might read it. It's like now your Twitter feed is that. Like the death of the column. Yeah. Like what is a column now? We all have a column and it's Instagram. Yeah. Um, And you can write a piece and it can go viral and you can, you know, have 
very, very quick success and very, very quick fame, um, you know, a, a, and a very successful, a book deal and a very successful book off the back of one piece. And that, whilst that is incredible and phenomenal, and I, I love that, I think it's democratized the voices that we've got out there. It wasn't that long ago where you had to be a white man educated at Oxbridge or Cambridge in order to get mm. your work published. And now it's open to anyone. And there's a real focus on, uh, publishing, you know, diverse voices and, and, and different underrepresented perspectives, um, which is so exciting. Yeah. Like that's, that's the future as all kind of like the, the meshing of those different narratives and what's going to come off the back of that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Control-Alt-Delete. I hope you enjoyed me chatting to my literary agent, Abby. I wanted to show that the multi-hyphen method really is for everyone of any age, any location. Um, It's for people with full-time jobs who want to start side projects. It's also for people who want to become self-employed. It's for people wanting flexible working for all sorts of different reasons. It really is a book about being more than one job title, if you want to be, in your life or even at the same time. We can have many different things on and we can pick and choose and we can change our career at any time. I really enjoyed asking Abby about her side projects and um, I hope you enjoyed listening to it. So The Multi-Hyphen Method, published by Hodder Books, it's out now. It's available in bookshops, on Amazon. It's already an Amazon bestseller. So thank you so much to everyone who's gone out and bought a copy and, uh, and said nice things about it. I really appreciate it. Uh, So we will be resuming as normal next time the podcast goes up and I'll be interviewing some brilliant authors about their books. So thanks again for tuning in. See you next time.